0: We've got a lot of existential questions about what's next, like, long-term for the Vikings. We'll answer all of those and more here on this Mailbag Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everybody, Welcome to the Locked On Vikings Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making the Locked On Vikings Podcast your first listen of the day. Today is Twitter Tuesday. That means I've got a whole... way too many of your questions thank you everybody who submitted questions uh there's no way i'm getting to them all so if you did ask a question it doesn't get answered hopefully i answered something close to it but uh first let's get into quickly uh some news covid 19 continues to rip through the vikings facility they're having even more problems this time ryan Connolly and timone paris uh the practice squad uh tackle on COVID-19, on the uh, COVID-19 reserve, so that continues to happen. I think we're all kind of waiting with bated breath as we watch all of the unvaccinated leaders of the team, you know, the Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Tomlinson, Adam Thielen, all these guys to see, like, are they... Or, uh, you know, is it going to catch these guys, too? Um, hopefully by the next game, we'll get uh, Garrett Bradbury back. We would get Dakota Dozier back. He's vaccinated. Um, he would be a COVID elevation. He's on the practice squad right now. He's not on the active roster, but he'd be a COVID elevation, possibly if they need an extra body or something like that. Um, so we have to kind of keep watching all of this and we'll watch it all as, as the week goes on. Kind of every day will be a new checkpoint in all the COVID stuff but let's move on to the questions uh so if you have any questions for me you can always send them to me at luke brunt nfl or at locked on vikings on twitter you can send an email to locked on vikings podcast at gmail.com you can also fill out the google form which is in the show notes first question comes from riley hudson who asks do the vikings miss rick dennison more on the field than we expected does it seem like a lot of miscues on offense uh defense is well but not related to dennison obviously are based on inexperience in the coaching department. Um, Yes. So I think right now, my take on what's wrong with the offense schematically, there are execution problems, right? Guys not blocking, you know, Kirk Cousins making a misread or whatever. Um, Those exist and you can't scheme around those. There's no scheme that that just works if nobody does their job, right? But schematically, there are issues too. Um, You know, the low depth of target and stuff like that. There's some, I think, sameness to it. And basically where I'm at right now is that Clint Kubiak is very good at finding things that work once and putting that in the scripted plays, right? That jet suite, that works really well. Against Dallas, they did a really good job kind of setting up a little smokescreen and then faking that smokescreen for a touchdown. Those little things are really nice, um, but they only work once. And with more experience, you can get a little bit better at getting more things that will either work once or things that will work multiple times, or finding things that will work throughout the course of the game, uh, and, and and calling those things, and that really helps. But Kubiak is just sort of outwitted by the guy across from across the field from him, kind of every week, and that makes it really really difficult. You know, there's no you can't outsmart somebody who runs a jet sweep when they didn't actually hand off to that jet sweep. They are setting up a tendency and knocking it down, and that's great over the long term when you can think about it all week. But when you get into the game, play to play to play, he just doesn't have that ability to like outfox somebody in front of him. Yeah, I think the lack of experience really hurts. I think it really hurts that Rick Dennison isn't in the building. I think that that whole vaccine thing really hurt the Vikings um, as much as we were upset with Rick Dennison, It's a lot worse without that experience in the building guys kind of helping him along who have been with him for most of his career. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, Kyle Umvet says... Heard you say a few times that this build is over and it will be years to get to the next successful build. Curious as to your reasoning. We have so much young talent, especially offensively. Don't you think a regime or schematic change could make a difference in in the next year or two? Yeah, so there's nothing there's no rule against, you know, Sean McVay coming in, making the playoffs in his first year. Right. Um, I think winning that division in his first year. There's nothing uh, saying you can't do that. Right. Um, so that's fine. But typically, yeah, when you get a new GM, a new coach, a new quarterback, a new everything, it's going to take a year for all that to gel. And we should apply that kind of level of patience to it, which is why I'm trying to set everybody's expectations to say, Hey, if we do blow this up, it's not just going to turn around and be phenomenal right away. Now they have pieces they can keep and apply to the next build. Sure. That's totally fine. Um, but If it's going to take a couple years, you know, guys like Harrison Smith don't feel as valuable or Adam Thielen, they don't feel as valuable. And so that's why I kind of say, look, if we're going to truly hard reset this, truly hard reset this. And when I say this build of the Vikings is over, I'm talking about Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, uh, Kirk Cousins, that kind of trio core is clearly not going to go anywhere. It hasn't gone anywhere, and it's not going to go anywhere. And I don't think you can just pick one piece out and replace it and remove... I think you just have to nuke the whole thing. Ali Kosi says, Do you think trading some of the current core veteran players is necessary for a culture reset, or is it sufficient to only make changes at GM and or coaching staff? Um, I, well, I don't I don't think you have a choice to, like, keep the whole... Uh, Roster and then bring in some other coach. That other coach is going to want to run his things, right? And so you're either, you know, don't bring in a spread coach for this wide zone team, right? Because either he's running a a scheme that he's unfamiliar with or uh, he's making players run a scheme that doesn't fit them, right? That's why I kind of say, look, you're not going to be good for a while. Guys are going to go their separate ways. Contracts are going to expire. This needs to be something that is built from the ground up with a purpose, not Just retooling on the fly. No more of this retooling on the fly improvisational crap. That's kind of why I say that. Now, trade some core veteran players to get draft picks or whatever. Yeah, sure, that's fine. But I think uh, unless you are thinking of a guy who's going to be on the team and good in two years, I kind of don't care what happens to him over the next couple of years. Keep him, don't retire, don't trade, whatever. It, It doesn't make a huge difference to me because I'm kind of looking at when, the Vikings will truly be competitive and I want them to build and be focused about it. Uh, JP asks, regardless of how this team finishes, I'm looking forward to 2022 and the possibilities of our team and roster under new leadership. How realistic is it to move on from cousins and what possible stopgap options are out there as we try to draft the long-term solutions? Um, Yeah. So I think you hit on something that's important to me, which is don't just go into a year with absolutely nothing. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I just said nuke it and build from the ground up. But you have to have something that's, you know, worth hanging on to. Um, I don't want to do a year like the Browns going on 16 or whatever, because that just makes everybody leave. And then it gives you that much more work to do if you're trying to rebuild it. You know, if the whole roster is made out of holes. Yeah, maybe you got some better draft picks that way, but you have more holes to fill anyways. So was it really worth it? So, I say so. The the option of moving on from Cousins in 2022 is to trade him. That's all you got. You can't cut him. You don't save a dime doing that. You still pay him all 45 million, and then he just isn't on your roster. That's unwise. Um, but. Trade him to somebody else. Somebody else will pick up 35 million of his contract, or maybe you take on a little bit more money to get a better draft pick or whatever. You can negotiate that too if you want. But yeah, somebody's gonna want to take advantage of that. Be it Denver or Carolina or whoever, some QB needy team that feels like they have a roster that can compete right away, that they can just you know plug in a quarterback. Somebody that feels like they're a quarterback away, I think can do that. What we get in return or whatever, you gotta negotiate that, and that's a more difficult question to answer. Um, but yeah, it can you can absolutely move on from Cousins and then yeah start building something new, and I think that's awesome. That's really exciting. Uh, even if it might take a while, we can be patient and excited at the same time. Bradley Norse says, any idea how much of that bad offensive play it's play-calling and how much is conserva Kirk? In this game, no, not yet. I need to look at the tape. My gut on a first watch tells me it's more play-calling than Kirk this time, which is the opposite of the way I felt last week, um, but I, let me watch the tape and we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's just hard to know if... There are shot plays that are just bad designs or designs that just die to the same coverage over and over again. That's bad play calling. Um, But if guys are streaking open downfield and Kirk isn't finding him then yeah that's con- conserva Kirk but I can't see downfield on the broadcast tape so we can't know until and I'm recording this before I've seen the all 22 so we'll, we'll we'll come back to it tomorrow though Troy MCC asks I know it's just one game so yes I'm being hasty but Kenny willickis looked really good yesterday what, what would you rank his chances to have a starting role at some point this season um yeah man he's risen quite a bit he gets one practice squad elevation they say they like what he's done on the scout team and all that stuff he comes in gets a sack gets some pressures he had a good game it looked like yeah against ball Baltimore um so I say keep giving him opportunities absolutely and maybe someday he does overtake DJ Wanham for that starting spot that'd be pretty sick um it's funny because that's not the plan they had for him they were playing him a lot at defensive tackle in preseason but now the need has arisen at edge rusher so they need him um yeah maybe I, I think it's totally in the cards but I think right now it's all about how many opportunities is he earning and he is certainly earning those opportunities that kind of rules I have a whole bunch more questions that I want to get to. We'll talk more about rebuilds, more about cousins, more about defense, Zimmer, all that stuff. But first it is eaten season. It's November. That is Thanksgiving. And that makes this the perfect time of year for built bar. It is going to solve that dessert craving you have. So you don't feel like you've had a terrible month and you can set up and be able to go ham on Thanksgiving and not feel like you were absolutely awful leading up to it. It is delicious. One slice of say pumpkin pie has like 300 calories and that's on the low end. Most built bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar, plenty of protein, low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate and it tastes like a candy bar. It's not like those chalky nasty protein bars that that taste like, you know, creatine powder and Nesquik. It is a great option for when you're hungry, you don't want to fall off the wagon, but you still have to satisfy that cravings. And they've got new surprises coming all month. So head to built.com, check the site often. There are these limited time offers that are only up there for three or four days. So keep on it. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar for that one. Go to built.com, use promo code lock 15 and we'll get you 15% off of your order. That's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. Once again, thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Once again, Nick Howard asks, why doesn't Kubiak play a hurry up type of offense after the first set of scripted plays? We seem to do well running it on two or four minute drives at the end of halves and games. So there's a bunch of reasons for why teams can't just be oops, all hurry up unless you're doing like Chip Kelly and it's your like whole identity. But basically... A, defenses play two-minute a little bit different. When they know that time is on their side, they're going to play things softer, keep things in front of them, and it's going to lead to more production. It's going to feel like the offense is suddenly moving the ball a little bit better. They are going to allow intermediate passes more. They're just going to let those things happen, and so the offense takes it, and then you go, well, why weren't they throwing intermediate before? Like, well, because the defense was trying to undercut them or something was with the coverage, right? Um you can also only install so much in hurry up. The thing about hurry up, if you think about like, so there's no huddle, right? So you can't call play, then play, then play, then play. You have to have a sequence of plays memorized. And you can only have so many of those things memorized because all 11 guys, including whoever the dumbest guy on the offense is, has to have that memorized. He has to be able to execute all of that stuff flawlessly, every detail of every little play um in sequence it's a lot more difficult to memorize and so usually you have a pretty limited hurry up packages and once you've used all those plays you can't just start running the exact same plays over and over again right the defense will catch on and start countering them and adjust so usually teams don't want to use up their hurry up package on non-hurry up situations because then if they do get a hurry up situation and they've already shown all of their hurry up plays it becomes a lot easier to score say at the end of the fourth quarter when you need to uh Put it this way, if you could get the Ravens to play everything like they have a touchdown lead with a minute left, you probably would. But the Ravens aren't that stupid. Uh, Connor M asks, on the telegraphed swing pass to Cook after Barr's interception, was Justin Jefferson open on what looked like a post into the end zone? Um, Maybe it's hard to say again without the tape. I will Uh, I'll circle back to this. What I will say, though, is I don't think that was necessarily a telegraphed swing pass. I think it was a little bit too slow, so the corner could um, go make a play on it, and it was only a two-yard gain. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think that was necessarily that telegraphed. But that's kind of a weak excuse. Like, if somebody was open downfield, who cares? Uh, Sports fan 32 says, do you think the current defense without Hunter should blitz more? I would say take that quarterback by quarterback. There are some quarterbacks you should blitz, some quarterbacks you absolutely should not blitz. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, don't blitz him. Teams have had so much more success against him not blitzing because he can shred those blitzes. But Sam Darnold, yeah, blitz him away. He sees ghosts, right? Um, So it depends on the guy. Uh, And and that with or without Hunter depends on the guy. Uh, Goggles says, I feel like I've barely heard Ezra Cleveland's name mentioned at all this year. Does that mean he's continuing to improve at left guard? I think I'm in the minority. I don't think so. I notice a lot of bad plays from him, like a high quantity of, of kind of medium bad plays. They're not embarrassing plays like yeah, Garrett Bradbury will have like two or three embarrassing plays and then be fine for the rest of the game. People notice that more. And I feel like Ezra Cleveland will make nine medium mistakes. And to me, that's more impact on the game that Cleveland's having. Um, but. It's not going to get his name mentioned as much. That is a million percent just my opinion, though. I don't have, like, stats or data or anything backing all that up. That's just what I've seen. Um, so I-, I have not been uh, particularly impressed with him at left guard. He still looks like a tackle-playing guard, kind of slow to set up, all of that stuff. Not as used to the footwork. Um, but I-, I don't know. I guess... It's okay that he's not embarrassing, and he was kind of embarrassing last year, so I guess there's that. I don't know, feels kind of weak. Shoot, that S says, is there a viable play calling replacement for Kubiak, or with a Green staff behind him, are we stuck with him? Why would Zimmer go with all youngsters this early in his uh, with early in his career? here stockpiled former head co- coaches on O staff? Um, Yeah, so no, not really. Um, if you wanted to fire Kubiak, I think Brian Periani takes over. Or you tell Rick Dennison, hey, get the shot. We got a promotion for you. <laughs> Both of those guys have called plays in the past, though. So I think they'd probably be that. Um, and I, I my guess is Zimmer probably wanted a former head coach to come in. But who's out there? I don't know. Jake Rudin. Uh, who's like who's available. So uh, and Jake Rudin's pretty radioactive. I don't think you want him. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe there was somebody available. Send me a name if you think of somebody. But yeah, I think it was a mistake to not have somebody more experienced in that room. Um, somebody with a little bit more of a, a, of a legacy to help kind of string him along, hold his hand because he's clearly overmatched. Skull Actuary asks, when does Kenny take over as RB2? I'm saying, buddy. Um, I mean, look, he didn't get any carries, though, so maybe they still don't feel uh, as confident about him, like, reading plays and stuff, but I've also criticized Alexander Madison a lot for that exact problem, so I, I don't know, I, yeah, I would rather read wrong and be fast about it, right, <laughs> at least, you know, and with speed, you kind of unlock more reads, because if you can get to that gap a little bit faster and have that athleticism, something that's open for uh, Wang Wu might not be open for Madison and it makes the reads that much easier, I would love to see him come in as, as RB2, honestly. Um, but I mean, I've been going pretty hard at Madison this whole year. We're going to keep it going here. I have a whole bunch more questions, really, really interesting stuff. Um, but first I want to talk to you about getting gas. Get upside is an awesome app. It's a free app at the app store, download it, sign up for it. And then, uh, it will tell you gas stations in your area where you can save a little bit of money up to 25 cents a gallon at the pump. Gas prices suck. Take a little bit off the top. And it will show you like nearby gas stations where you can go fill up. That just tell them where you filled up and they will just deposit money. You can cash out whenever you want. You can either do an Amazon gift card, Google Play, or just direct deposit into your bank. If you don't want to mess with any of that, takes it like a data process. And then that's money in your account right away. Just with Get Upside. And if you use promo code touchdown, when you sign up, your first fill up will double. That's up to 50 cents off per gallon at the pump on your first fill up. When you go get the Get Upside app, sign up, use the promo code touchdown. Moving on with this mailbag. The next one comes from Waka Waka, who asks, are the Vikings are capable of just playing a normal game? I'm becoming numb to overtime and last minute endings because we see it every game. It uh, puts hair on your chest, right? That's, we're just toughening you up. <laughs> That's what the Vikings are here to do. Make you impervious to all uh, sports pain. And once you have become impervious to all sports pain, that is when success can come. It's the journey we must go on uh, as decreed by the gods. Uh, Jeff Douglas says, outside of the Cincy and Carolina games, Thielen has been quiet. Is he not getting open or is Kirk not looking his way enough? Thielen used to be so reliable from the slot. Is he not getting enough plays from there this year? What happened to his quick slant and crossing routes? Um, So I don't know about the Ravens game. Cowboys game, he was open all day. He was phenomenal in the Cowboys game. Um, And then Kirk didn't find him. We talked a lot about that last week. Cleveland game. He kind of got killed by Denzel Ward. He lost a game there. Um, I, I can't speak to the other ones off the top of my head, um, but I don't think that he's old. I know that like we see the de- decline in production. We look at his age. We all just kind of jump to that conclusion. I don't think that's what ha- what's happening. I think the problems are more structural to the offense. And I think what's happening to Thielen is the same thing as what's happening to Justin Jefferson. Um, they're both kind of having this experiencing the same problems here, but we only think one of them is getting old. So I don't think that that's the case. Bishop Sycamore alumnus says, I got reminded by Sunday Ticket that I am paying for this viewing experience to not seem so masochistic. How can I make these games enjoyable again? Do I start referring to the Vikings as my dominatrix? Um, Yeah, that sounds like a great bit. Uh, Go for that. Um, But so here's the thing. The Vikings have been angering since I've been alive they have been frustrating to watch. So we've all kind of found our way to enjoy it. And whether that's making self-deprecating jokes about it, and whether that's just kind of enjoying the humor of them all, whether that's finding players that are exciting and hoping they do exciting things and just enjoying the spectacle of it all. um, We can all do that for me. I get a big kick out of finding really the crux of what happened on a play. That Cam Bynum interception, figuring out that was Cover Four. He was in solo, or some people call it poach. That's the type of coverage he was in, which means that when Mark Andrews runs a seam up between the safeties, it's his job to go try and pick it off, and he did, and he made a great catch, and that's awesome. And he did this great bait and switch with Lamar Jackson, where it looked like he was dropping into a two deep zone, and then he switched, and he and he's a rookie, and that's like that stuff is so much fun for me to learn and, and to then read. like on a show like this you find your fun. So ask yourself what you like about football. Not necessarily about the Vikings, right? If your only answer to what I like about football is watching the Vikings win games, is going to be a lot harder. But I don't think that's everybody's answer because you turn on Monday Night Football, What what's fun, right? Is it watching a lot of touchdowns? Is it watching, you know, something else? Well, if, if you like watching a lot of touchdowns, I don't know, maybe figure out some route concepts that you like to see. And then when you can find them live and be like, I know what they're doing, that's a huge kick to me considering how gatekeepy the NFL is when I can figure out things that the NFL doesn't want to talk about in public. And that's a way for football to make me happy. Um, you got to find a way to make football make you happy. Sports are supposed to be fun. If they're not fun. Yeah, I think try to find the fun in it. Right. Mr. Predictable asks, do they not have one offensive play that they can call when they have to have it thinking about going for two at the end of the game? Um, Yeah. So Zimmer talked about that. It doesn't sound like they said, oh, yeah, but we didn't have a play call. Like, I think they do have a play call, but they didn't want to go for it because there was too much time left um, and they didn't want to leave the Ravens that much time to kick, which makes no sense because they still had that much time to kick. Um so here's where I'm at on the 2 minute and I think or on the 2 point there and I think Zimmer made the wrong decision. Um if you go for it and you don't get it you're losing by a point with a minute left and you have two timeouts the Vikings did I believe. Um you can get the ball back maybe. So you actually have an outside shot to get the ball back um and 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 stop them and stuff and it'll be much harder for the Ravens to Get that extra first down. They're going to turtle up, right? That's how everybody does when they have a lead with a minute left, and you know they're just trying to run the clock. They're just trying to get one first down. I like my defense's odds to get to stop them for one first down versus trying to make them stop two drives in overtime when they're as gassed as they were. Um, and it seems like. Zimmer just was afraid of the kicker, which is weird because they still lost to the kicker. So I think that was a bad decision that he made, but I don't think it had anything to do with not having a, like a goal line play call. I think they have plenty of goal line plays. Uh, seven, skull says, if we replace him at the end of the season, do you think there's an opportunity for the Vikings to retain Patterson? Seems like defensive linemen are excited to play for him and appears to have the ability to coach up lower draft picks. Um, Andre Patterson has survived many a coach firing. Um, yeah, he's, he's stuck around through many a regime. Um, He was around, I believe, I think he was, I mean, he was around in the Denny Green days and then he left and he came to college and then he came back. Um, He was around in the Leslie Frazier days, I believe, like he's been around. So yeah, I think absolutely. There's no reason you can't unless he like wants to go try to get a better job or something. But when you're on a staff that's getting cleared out, that's pretty hard mojo to overcome. Uh, Gunner Viking asks once Zimmer is fired, how attractive is the coaching job over the cap next year? Possibly lame duck quarterback and so on. Yeah, I think there's a problem with that, but I think you got to tell the guy, look, you're going to come in. We're going to have a, a pretty awkward year where you have to transition away from what the last guy was doing. Um, and then you get to build it the way you want to build it. And the Wilfs are very, very patient owners. So don't worry about doing a, you know, a Steve Wilkes. And like the one thirteen 13 and three or three and 13 Arizona year where where he got the job then lost the job right away in a rebuild year. Um, Don't worry about being a lame duck. You're going to have to have a bad season. Um, But hey, show us you got anything in that season. We'll keep you around and we'll, we'll be patient. The Wills have a, a pretty good reputation, I think, for being a patient team with a head coach and that makes it an attractive destination hey i can kind of learn my way here and not get fired i can kind of build my thing over time i can have the long-term outlook that we all want to have um i think that does make it now will that actually happen i think we always have a lot more hope for that happening than how it actually happens uh but i do think that that helps that that reputation the wills have does kind of help And finally, Dean Fuentes says, does our offensive system allow for sight adjustments? On a similar line, Arlo asks, could you give a breakdown of what sort of routes our wide receivers are running? Do we ever do curls, quick crossing, and short out routes? One play that stuck out was OT on third and eight. Bate showed uh baltimore showed blitz and our wide receivers ran 20 yard routes did kirk fail to audible um so kirk did fail to audible there i think we've actually zimmer basically said yes he has options um we were we could have been in a better play there which i think basically says like yeah there's a check that he's supposed to make on that um it's funny how much those guys are like throwing each other under the bus right now uh but the first question, do they allow for site adjustments? Yes. So so site adjustments to me mean like option routes. I believe there are option routes in every offense. So I would be pretty surprised if there weren't site adjustments. But that's also stuff like search routes. And all that means is searching for the hole in the zone. It's not a corner at this degree or an out or so. It's just go kind of run between the guys. Um, and that's in every offense. So yes, there's site adjustments. Um, in terms of what routes the wide receivers are running, yeah, there's a lot of flood concepts. There's a lot of slants and curls. Um, uh, and a, a lot of kind of quicker stuff, but, uh, I don't know. That's, it's, it's I, I would probably stray away from, from just going like, what are the routes? And I would say more, what are the concepts? Um, and that, that would have to be a whole episode. Um, But yeah, in that overtime thing, I think Kirk probably should have changed something about that play. That play was pretty doomed before it was snapped. So tomorrow, I'm going to circle back to some of the questions I couldn't answer here because I didn't see the tape. I'm going to watch the tape, tell you what I see about the tape, and we'll talk about something else, Uh, talk about whatever kind of comes out with us. So once again, thank you all so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out the Peacock and Williamson show. They're covering everything from the NFL angle, the Damon Arnett thing, uh, Monday Night Football, all of that stuff. I will see you all tomorrow and as always skull